Welcome to another episode of You Had Your Chance. <laughs> that was the eighth time I started. Um, this is the podcast where, David, why don't you explain? Absolutely. It's My co-host, David. Hi, I'm David Bly. And I'm Nick Chivarella. Hi. This is You Had Your Chance podcast, podcast where we invite on filmmakers, film professionals to watch a movie that they've always wanted to see but never got around to seeing it. This is a classic film that's been around for a long time. We give a lot of spoilers. So apologies, but no apologies because you've had your chance to see this movie. That's why we called it that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, that's right. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, and today we have on, listen. Steven Spielberg. <laughs> He's going to blow your mind. He's a handsome man. He biked here. He's coated in gloss. He's funny as all hell. This is my podcast with Alex. Very good. Alex DeBranco. Hello. Hey, everybody. Our podcast. Sorry. Thank you. You excluded me from the beginning. But I get it. It's because of the, yeah. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Great. You biked here from Glendale. I biked here halfway. <laughs> so I rode my bike. I, I drove my car half of the distance, and then I, I get very anxious about parking anywhere in Hollywood. So yeah. I like, I just ditched the car. Did you? I mean, did you I ditch parked. It? Oh, you parked. I it. parked it. I beeped <laughs> you it. You set it on fire. I, did not, I wanted to ditch it, but <laughs> I. But it's important to me, so I. Um, yeah. I parked it, beeped it, you know, and then took my bike out before that, and then rode it all the way here. That's great. Do you um, lock your car in a certain way where you need to hear the beep? Yeah. Me too. Yeah, and usually I'll have to come back to it and do it like ten more times. Yeah, it's a weird OCD thing. Yeah, yeah. You don't remember. Two houses away. Or yeah, something. yeah. Yeah. I have to hit it at least three or four times. Like I hear the beep and I just keep hitting it. Yeah. Kind of like an elevator button mm-hmm, that you yeah. just keep pressing like an mm-hmm. asshole. It's extra yeah. locked now. It's yeah. fully locked. Well, because when you unlock it, it unlocks the front seat and not the rest. Right. So I'm thinking when you lock it, it just locks That's the front seat right. and not the rest. It locked like the gas door. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you have to lock it eight times to get all of the doors locked. <laughs> yeah. That's not how it works. Car companies, you should fix this. Please. Listen, we know what you're up to. Fix this. Um, Thanks, ROCD. Thanks for making that trek, though. It was nice. I was worried I was very late, but it seems like it was fine. Yeah, we're loose. We're cash. Yeah, it's... It did mess a lot of things up. Yeah, I can tell. I can tell you. You did bump Spielberg. That's why you thought we were introducing Mm -hmm. Spielberg. Oh. He's going to come on another day. He texted me. He's pissed. Young filmmaker. He's really upset. He's going to talk about Crossroads. The Britney Spears movie. Correct. Yeah. But there I can't is. He hasn't seen it. <laughs> no. There was a massive like bike thing going on. Yeah. It's a I gotta tell you something. I, yeah. What's that, going on with that? I don't know, but I didn't know about it. Oh, oh, I gotta tell you this. Yeah. This is what happened. So I'm eating lunch at Little Dom's. Highly recommend. Love that place. Uh, a lemon ricotta with blueberry pancakes. Mm. Literally the best in the world. Anyway, I'm on my phone. I'm like, you know what? I'm on my phone too much. I'm going to download an app to cut my screen time. What app? Moment. Oh, yeah. I went with Moment. Moment goes, oh, we'll help you, no problem. Hey, as a first step, why don't you put your phone away for 30 minutes? And then we can check this little box off. And I was like, great, no problem. So I turn my phone off. I pay my bill. I leave. I'm like, I don't need my phone to get home. I know how to get home. So I started driving home, dealing with this shut down Hollywood Boulevard. And it took me two hours to go like two miles. Two hours because of this stupid app that's causing me to cut down my screen time. Anyway. With like construction <laughs> and Ciclavia at the same time. That's correct. But you were fully connected to that anger experience because of the app. That is very true. 
Wow. And I thought about what that. What a moment. I thought about that, and it reminded me of this movie, mm. which <laughs> it did. It reminded me of the movie. I'm like, because there is a scene, which we'll, uh, we'll get to it. We have to introduce the mm-hmm. movie. Maybe we'll, put the, we'll cut this later, but yeah. Okay. You're right. It, it is very much relevant to what this movie that we're going to talk about is. It is. Hot damn. Um, how about you uh, share with us a little bit about who you are, your background in the film world. Okay. Yeah. So I am an actor and writer and creator. I started out acting in Austin. Well, no, I started writing in college, Mm -hmm. and I got a literary arts screenwriting degree and was making, like, my own stuff. Like, I worked at a liquor store, and we made a TV show, a little, like, series called Campus Liquors about two guys that work at a liquor store on a college campus. And we just filmed it there, like, when it was closed, and we never told the owners. Did you turn all the bottles backwards? So no, we go. didn't even know about any of that. We morning. just, we just like did. We had no idea what we were doing. It was just like, well, whatever. So Where we just you get the equipment. Uh, some this one guy named Ben Howard had everything. Now he works at NASA. He oh. was just like that guy, you know, who like just knew how to do everything. He now steals space equipment to give to other people for shoots. Yeah, for yeah, yeah, yeah. To taking equipment, billion dollar yeah. pieces of equipment. Spaceships. <laughs> he just takes spaceships. spaceships. I get yeah. you a spaceship by three o'clock. Yeah, yeah just for the background, for like, like need, indie space. Yeah, I need space, a, indie space things. You turn the NASA <laughs> label around and then in the morning change it back. Um, <laughs> then I moved to Austin, Texas after college, and Perfect. I wanted to. Uh, meet people to write with and people were like if you want to do that you should act just like audition for stuff just to like meet people in the game so you can like start writing with Mm -hmm. them whatever and so i just auditioned and then started getting roles because like it was student stuff and i think people were just like oh this guy doesn't really give a shit so like all right (laughs) cool (laughs) and then uh and so then i just like got that bug and then started acting in austin which is like a very cool place to start. Yeah. Because it's like a smaller market. Mm-hmm. Um, and doing a lot of improv. And then after a while of that, I moved to LA because my girlfriend, now fiance, moved here too. Congrats. Thank you. And we were in long distance for three years. And so I wanted to make a show about that called Distance. Oh, nice. And we made this show called Distance. And that was the last like three years, released it last year. It's phenomenal. Hey, thank you. I've seen it. It is thank so you. friggin' cool. Thank I'm you. I swear in that first minute. <laughs> uh, I'll spoil it yeah. for some people. That's okay. They have another chance to see it. Uh, hopefully, they've all seen it. But it's just, it's a web series. It's a series. It's not a web series. It's a series intended for television of a long distance relationship where there's compatible episodes on both perspectives of the long distance relationship that occur simultaneously. And it's done so well and the performances are great you're in it yeah and uh, who's the ashley spillers yeah yeah she's phenomenal she yeah takes, she's her story takes place in new york here takes place in los angeles other way around yeah great uh, <laughs> so cool thanks man. yeah it feels good to release something after that long of working on oh it. yeah yeah god i was telling you when we when i saw you at the bar like it destroyed me yeah. that, that whole process the postpartum yeah. when you put something out that you put so much time into i had no idea like how much it would wreck me and i think i'm only now coming out of a very dark place what what about it wrecked you if you could put it into like if you could i I think up to the top yeah i think it was um i think it was basically me i think i (laughs) put so much pressure Uh, on myself yeah because I wanted it to be the best. I oh, wanted okay. it to be so good. Mm. And 
and like and that meant how we made it how we like how we edited it and how we released it like i was very keen on like having a release plan yeah and like there's this massive there is a long distance relationship like community online yeah, you found like a subreddit yeah not just a subreddit like an instagram world like basically all, all these people who are in long distance relationships create accounts for their relationship on instagram so like the account is like three thousand five hundred fifty one miles wow and that's the account and it just tracks that couple wow and like how they're doing and like and and it's all to like uh support one another right they're all like hey we got 20 days left or we did it for three years we're closing the distance is like a massive thing it's like this whole world that i had no idea yeah and then i was like oh man like i gotta like get them all to like the show (laughs) you know and so it became this like massive undertaking of like making an instagram thing and like facebook and all this stuff and like because I knew it, there was potential, it also meant that like I set the bar super high for myself, mm-hmm. and I didn't let myself like breathe. Yeah. And then we finished editing it the morning of the day we released it. You oh like, had some posts that day of like being in the like editing. Bay yeah, like, like I need to tweak one thing. I think I talked to you after. That's screen. insane. I need to tweak one <laughs> more thing. That's crazy. Wow. It was just in a I, good way. It, it was a, a good, I guess, but like very not good from like my soul and like my like whole thing like there was no more me it was yeah. just the show david relates 100 man we talked about yeah this. it's it's impossible when we released sweet parents it had been a 10 11 year process and it defined everything of my being and i put every egg in that basket yeah um every other missed opportunity in every other corner of my career would be like, okay, at least I have Sweet Parents. Mm-hmm. At least I have this mm-hmm. film that I know I can give all of my love, all of my support to, all of my energy, all of my creativity. Mm-hmm. And so how do you not put that on the highest pedestal possible? Mm. And it is so impossible to like achieve the feeling of catharsis that you want from that. Mm-hmm. Just getting it done, incredible. But like, you think it's going to save the world. Mm-hmm. And it's like, it's just another piece of content. And mm-hmm. ours is about a, a relationship in New York. And mm-hmm. it's like, okay. Mm-hmm. You kind of have to think that all your stuff's going to change the world. Yeah, I mean, like, deep down, you know, probably it's not. But, like, you, you need to it's have that type of stake, those stakes. I, I, the, the, I've created sort of, like, two big, big, two, to me, big web yeah. series in my life. The first one was, like, no, like, we were just having fun. And, like, we had nobody to answer to. Damn and Jared, Jared Post to Personal. Yeah. And we had a blast. And I loved it. And then the second one was at the, we were doing it for... IFC. Uh-huh. So we had a date that we had to shoot yeah, it on. We had right. an end date. And so we just had to have it done by this amount of time. So that was like crazy. Mm-hmm. And like, I, I think it suffered a lot because of that. We weren't used to doing it under constraints like that. And that's mm-hmm. how most things get made, mm-hmm. who that makes money or whatever. So it was just such an interesting experience because it's like, well, we certainly can't reshoot this. We certainly can't do anything but just edit this and have it in the bag in yeah. three days. You know what I mean? <laughs> so it was, it kind of was what it was. But, but it's like, yeah, nice to it have releases that. you from the, 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 I'm sure the amount of time and like yeah. the way that you can kind of obsess over something. Yeah. But at the same time, that's what all good art comes from is exactly what you just described, mm-hmm. right? I feel like you do have to put every ounce of your being into the project once it's done. And you realize that like it didn't yield the type of release that you needed. And the thought of starting a new project Mm -hmm. and knowing you have to 
do that same amount of input for the thing is the hardest thing to mm. get through, like that sophomore mm-hmm. slump that people experience. Mm-hmm. I don't know how to summon that same mm-hmm. level of devotion for something that n- didn't yield the catharsis that I needed in the first place, and it may not do it again, but you're telling me I have to go do that same level of devotion again? That's a hard thing to summon. And that's yeah. the whole like hard the, the hardship of this craft, but... I would argue, I would say though that like there, w- there was no result that would have yielded that thing. Totally. It is an impossible. Absolutely. Like that is why, that's the whole thing. It's like any amount of success, praise, it, like it was doomed from the jump. Yeah. Like, of like course. that's the whole thing. Yeah. But then and you do another so, one and you keep, you just hit this impossible place. Like that's yeah. what you're trying to do is, is reach an impossible place. If you ever feel like you do reach it, you're insane. I yeah. think you're a crazy. But the same thing is like if you feel like you're done bettering yourself, right. you're, you're a sociopathic crazy person. Yeah. Right. <laughs> but so, you do have to, le- I think what I have to learn is like how to care for myself in the process sure. and put other people around me to help me. Like, mm. not that there weren't people like Lauren, my fiance, she was like producing the whole thing, which was its own, you know, can of darkness of like, <laughs> you know, it just like, yeah. Anyways, and like, oh, you mean uh, working on the thing you care most about with the person you care most about? Not only that, but we shot it <laughs> yeah. at our house and my character's room was our room and his bed was a tiny bed that we slept in for the duration of the shoot and that bed broke basically every night like during sleep because it was just a shitty bed and like that was happening every day like it was it was very dark there's no bed budget for there's no bed budget (laughs) well congratulations on finishing it thank you it explains to me a lot why you chose the film you chose yeah let's go into it Yeah, yeah talk to us about the movie you chose and why so I didn't not I did not know that this would be that movie. I mean I, I but it really was. I mean so I chose a movie called My Dinner with Andre. And it the reason why I chose it was a lot of people had told me to see it. And it had just it kind of it's like one of those movies that just like kind of keeps coming up. You just like keep hearing it and then a good friend of mine from Austin named John Bolden came here to visit and we went to the Huntington Gardens Mm -hmm. and we were walking and and he was complaining about his life and I was complaining about my life and we were kind of just like talking past each other for the whole time. Mm -hmm. And he at at one point was like, you know, our conversation reminds me a lot of this movie, My Dinner with Andre. And I was like, I was like, oh, wow. Okay, cool. Oh, is that a, a compliment? Are you saying and, it's like, and he was <laughs> like, no, not really. No. <laughs> and I was like, okay, cool. And then um, that was it. But then in, in May, when you guys asked me, I don't know, it just kind of came up and I decided to watch it. I had heard of this movie only from it going, I mean, of course I've heard, like, it it being what it is and so many things have sort of like almost parodied it and sure. it has like put a place in pop culture. But I was really familiar with the movie because there's a scene of it that went viral like two or three years ago. Oh really? Yeah. And it was like, it started out with when he says like, um, we're all bored, we're all bored. And he like really goes into like really one of the meaty things that he says. And I remember watching it. It was like shared all over everything. And I was like, what is this movie? And I looked into it and I was like, Oh my God, it's like a movie yeah. where two people just have a conversation the whole time. And I, that's that's how I heard about it, like two or three years ago. I didn't even know that. Yeah. So like we were watching it, and I was like, maybe it won't be that. You know what no, I mean? Oh, you didn't know it no. was just a movie about two no. people having dinner the entire time. No. 
I mean, I thought that might be it, but it was not confirmed. Like, mm-hmm. there was the suspense that I think a lot of people maybe had, like, watching it when it first came out. Mm-hmm. Of, like, I don't know what's going to happen here. So we should also talk about what the movie is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. Made in 1981. Yeah. Louis Mal yep. directed it. It's a, it's a movie about a dinner between <laughs> Wallace Shawn, who's an actor and a playwright, mm-hmm. played by himself, true mm-hmm. character. True, true personality. Having a dinner that he has tried to put off for months with an old colleague of his named Andre Gregory, played by Andre Gregory. <laughs> this is not a documentary. It's a narrative film, but it's just them at the restaurant the entire time. What's a spoiler we can give? This is a tough one. There's to no... That's they what, when have you, dessert. They <laughs> have dessert. They have dessert, and they reunite their friendship a little bit, but they... They just talk the entire time about their own personal philosophies and they disagree a lot and they agree a lot. Right. And it's like not really that connected of a conversation. It's like kind of monologue Like there's not a lot of like, right, I hear you. Yeah, but like they don't jump on each other at all. Like it's very mm-hmm. like, I will say my piece. Sure. Right. And then I will retort. Right. You know, like it's very, I don't know. It was Sometimes like. Wallace Shawn's reactions were. Very muted compared Very to the strange. passion that Andre Gregory was speaking. Yes. Like, yeah, I guess I see. <laughs> yeah. Like, what the, the guy just spoke about like the greatest experience of his life. Yeah. It's like, eh. And then he goes, "What else?" Like his. Re- <laughs> yeah. the, I I wrote as one of my notes Wallace Shawn's reaction shots because it was just yes. like I, first of all, what a nightmare for Wallace Shawn to have to shoot those reaction shots. I feel like how. Have you ever been in a, as, as actors, yeah. have you ever been in a scene or even in a play where you are so aware of you just being the person listening Absolutely. and you're just yes. so in your head, you're like, how does a person listen? And like, that's what I kept thinking when it would cut to Wallace Shawn, just kind of like giving like a furrowed brow look or like a, huh, you know, like think how many days did he spend just with a camera on him while Andre Gregory talked with the camera off, like just listening. For- There's also some really interesting shots that are. Like a, a wide shot of them talking. It's Wallace Shawn talking and Andre Gregory listening, but with you the see mirror. His face yeah, the mirror. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And his reaction is also somewhat like pained. Right. But he's trying. Yeah. But it's like yeah. this is a long scene that where there's no editing. Yeah. And you can tell at times it's like, oh, okay. It's interesting the mirror thing. Yeah. Because yeah. there's a lot of mirror stuff. Mm-hmm. And I at first I realized that, and then I didn't really. And then I was talking to Lauren uh, about it, and I was like. It, the whole movie to me feels like a mirror of like it's a mirror to you to us mm-hmm. like like it feels like that's because you because all of the thoughts that you have about it of like god this is so boring mm-hmm. like I felt so much of like nothing gonna happen mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and then I was like that's what I'm like mm-hmm. and then that's the mirror to me of yeah. like are we just fucking boring people right. like and and there's also this like bourgeoisie kind yeah, of vibe absolutely. to it of like this like intellectual like they quail they yeah they'd quit yeah. yeah and they're at this really fine dining restaurant yes. which yes. i found very interesting yeah and they didn't even touch on that like yeah yeah i was like is this i it, it had to have been definitely placed for that reason definitely i i listened to some interviews with him today with uh mm. sean gregory Right. Andre Gregory? Huh? Andre Gregory? No, no, no. Wallace Shawn. Wallace Shawn. Yeah. And he was talking about how it was, what's his name? Noam Baumbach interviews him. Oh, okay. And about the movie. And he says that like the most unconscious thing about that movie is the like, 
he calls it the politics of it. But that's like, I think that time's way of saying privilege. Yeah. Of like, of like how they don't realize how privileged it is to just complain right. about like, Bullshit. I found that interesting. And, yes. I, and one thing I wrote down is not once did they ever say thank you to the waiter. Right. I don't know if you noticed that. Yes. I absolutely yes. The, the and wait- they have some reaction shots to that waiter, too. Yeah. Where he's Phenomenal. like... That's he's my like, favorite part of the movie. Yes. Like, he, he, he looks like they catch him looking and he like looks away. He darts off. Yeah, exactly. Like, Sorry. God. Because the status change of the t- of all of them. like, it, it, Yeah, I found yeah. that to be like... That was such an invisible layer throughout the entire movie that they were not talking about at all. Yeah. Right. But they right. stopped talking every time the server came over. Mm-hmm. Like, maybe we should just chill out for a minute while we're it's, being served. Nice. Let's be served now. That's yeah. what happens. Instead of like, what are you even talking about? And how is that relating to the fact that this man is serving you? Yeah. Like, Especially because they are so self-aware. Right. right? The, the whole, Supposedly. The whole thing is about like, God, look at our lives. Like, let's look in. Let's question. And yet there's this inability to question what we see is so obvious. Right, of course. You know? And it's like, that's just how it goes. Like, I'm sure, like, right now, us talking, there's stuff we're doing that, like, we don't know. You know, it's like, that's just... Yeah. But that's what it... That's how I felt watching it. Mm -hmm. And I was like, fuck. Are you getting your car washed outside also? I have someone washing my car. Outside. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. My bike always, and my car. I always yeah. have somebody washing. I, mean, I don't plan on paying for it either. Absolutely <laughs> not. <laughs> really? You're not going to pay for it? Absolutely not. Dude, that's fucked it's up. It's probably a terrible job they're doing. I hate them. My car is dirty too. I was thinking this morning, like, maybe I'll learn how to wash it. Yeah. <laughs> Let's start with the beginning of this movie. Great. Because I. As a whole, I went through a roller coasters of emotions watching this movie. The first major feeling I had was "fuck this movie." Mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There, so, I, I, mm-hmm. I felt how wait how how long yeah. in was that? The, I felt "fuck this movie" up until I would say a good hour into the movie. Wow. Okay. okay. But there was a point in the very beginning when, when Wallace Shawn is going. I was like, all right, we got some VO here. All right, this is the style of movie. I can buy that. Fine, cool. But then he says one thing that I, I wrote down <laughs> that did affect me very intensely, where he said, when I was 10, I was an aristocrat. I was riding in chariots and all these things. And now I'm 36 years old, and all I think about is money, mm. which is very true. And that's that sums up sort of like the game of artists completely, because mm. you have like you're so taken care of as a child. Not that I, I didn't think that he was rich, just that he had a comfortable situation when he was a kid, sure. as a lot of us do. And mm-hmm. then we kind of grow up and you have to think about money because you didn't when you were a kid. Anyway, especially in New York, too, where he grew up and it just it gets more expensive. Totally. Over time And also when you're not being paid for. Wasn't his dad the real guy? His dad, like the editor of The New Yorker? Wallace Shawn? I think so. Oh, really? Oh, wow. I think so. Something like that. That makes that. it makes sense. Like I think he was part of that kind of intellectual like something. Yeah, yeah. But that was like a bump of like, okay, okay, I'm into it. And You're, then it, you then connect. I connected, and yeah. then once the conversation started, I, I it was rough for a little bit. I don't I think know. It was a hundred percent autobiographical. No, it, listening to the interview today, he really? was like, so okay. So I don't know if this is the right time to talk, but like the produ- I looked into like how they did it, how they made that movie, how they wrote it. They recorded their own conversations for months. Those two dudes. Oh my god. Like, yes. No, not like in a restaurant. No, no, not but like, like but like, hey, let's just record us talking oh my god. for months. Oh my god. And then he poured over Sean Gregory or wait, sorry, Wallace Sean. Wallace Sean poured over all that and made a script. That was the process. 
And then he says, while Sean's like, those characters are not at all like us. Those two guys are not really who those two humans are. He's like, we're both playing people. There were some similarities on the surface level, right? Like Andre Gregory did go to Europe. Yeah. He was a theater, other occupations and all that. But I think you're right. I, I read that too as... Like, Wallace Shawn wrote the character of himself. He wrote Andre Gregory. He wanted to be completely torn down. You yes, saw that, right? Yes, Like, yes. He, wrote, he wrote Andre um, Gregory's character to completely tear down his character because I think what I was to understand is that Wallace Shawn does relate to a lot of the things his character yeah. was talking about, but understood that there were that was also problematic, and he was living out of a place of fear yeah. and wanted Andre Gregory to completely bulldoze his, his way wow. of thinking. Which I thought, I mean, that's interesting if you're writing something to like completely combat how you feel in your heart. Yeah. There and was then a- in the end to defend, like to stand up for himself. Yeah. Mm-hmm. At the end, which was interesting. And then to again be bulldozed. <laughs> again. Yeah. At the very end. You're right. I was like, oh, they're coming. Nope. Okay. Nope. <laughs> he said one thing in an interview. He was like, I wanted to kill this part of myself. Right. He said, what was the word? It like kind of blew my mind. He was like, I wanted to destroy that version of myself. Right, right. Kill that version of my like that's that yeah. was the intent of the writing. Yeah. And I've never thought about like I could write to like murder a part of myself. Totally. Like, but in a I think in a good way, in a therapeutic, sure, mm-hmm. cathartic way. I was like, damn, dude. Yeah. It's intense. I mean, there's so much we could go into so many parts of this. Like yeah. I, go ahead, please. There's that section about New York also that Oh, I'm forget really, about it. Really like yeah, I did too. Justifies everyone who has moved away from New York mm-hmm. and everyone who lives in New York who feels like it's the greatest place in the world until it's not all of a sudden. That whole section, I can read a little. Yeah, I don't. I, I think be, I've never lived there. I don't think that really it's, like I don't even remember that section. Oh, yeah, I do. It was very much. Um, it felt very real to people who live in New York and stay. Mm-hmm. They just stay there pursuing a dream. And it's just that like and you're just depressed and miserable and mm. miserable and miserable. And you're like, th- I mean, go ahead. It's great. Yeah. So this is Andre Gregory talking. He says, and when I was at Findhorn, I met this extraordinary English tree expert. I should do it like in his book. <laughs> English tree expert who <laughs> devoted himself to saving trees. And he just got back from Washington lobbying to save the redwoods. And he was 84 years old. And he always travels with a backpack because he never knows where he's going to be tomorrow. And when I met him at Findhorn, he said to me, where are you from? And I said, New York. And he said, ah, New York, yes, that's a very interesting place. Do you know a lot of New Yorkers who keep talking about the fact they want to leave but never do? And I said, oh, yes. And he said, why do you think they don't leave? And I gave him different banal theories, and he said, oh, I don't think it's that way at all. He said, I think that New York is the new model for the new concentration camp, where the camp, is built, <laughs> where the camp has been built by the inmates themselves, and the inmates are the guards, and they have this pride in this thing that they've built, They've built their own prison, and so they exist in a state of schizophrenia where they are both the guards and the prisoners, and as a result, they no longer have, having been lobotomized, the capacity to leave the prison they've made or even to see it as a prison. And then he went into his pocket, and he took out a seed for a tree, and he said, this is a pine tree. And he, and he put it in my hand, and he said, escape before it's too late. Yeah. Damn. Yeah, that totally, that. that hit me in the, to the core. <laughs> Damn, that is a good line. It's I very true. I this movie, uh, I, this is the second time I've seen this movie. I saw this movie, I've actually seen it 
two and a half times. I started watching it years ago when I was in grad school for theater, and I heard about it because it was. He talks about a lot of like famous theater directors, so I think one of our theory teachers told us to watch this movie. Didn't make it through because I was younger, and hey, parting is on the mind. And I <laughs> right. My lines, so I didn't make it all the way through. It's a bit of a snooze fest. Watched it again because Leah, my wife, was uh, at a Seder for Passover with Andre Gregory. Wow. So he then invited us to come to the sequel documentary that was being made about my dinner with Andre that was being made by that was made by his wife or his partner because Andre Gregory was getting back into theater directing and was like doing a play reading with Wallace Shawn. So they did a documentary and Andre Gregory did a talk. So we wanted to watch this movie before we went to the screening and huh. hung out with Andre Gregory. It was great. But it was like about a year before I left New York and I had been there for nine years at that time and I was ready to leave New York so bad. I had wanted to move anywhere, especially LA for a long time. And it was just like digging into me, get the hell out of here. It's eating away at you. And when mm. I saw that scene five or six years ago, it destroyed me. Mm. And it was like, I like paused it, rewatched it, it was crazy. And then watching it again this week, that same feeling that I had had six years ago came up again. I was like, I did it. Yeah, 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 you got out. It's really hard to get out. It's really hard to get out. Wow. It's hard to tell yourself, I got to get the fuck out of here and pack your bags and just leave because there's something about it that just keeps you there like Velcro. Like a spell. Yeah. I'll leave in in a month or two months. I'll save up a couple extra bucks. Don't. If you have the impulse, you got to go. You have to go. I know. It's for anything. It's not just New York, but... You, hmm, I know especially. people who've been saying they're going to leave forever and they always come up with an excuse why they can't leave this month. Maybe I'll leave in six months from now. And they've, if they've been saying that for three years, yeah, a freelance job comes up that like pays the bills for a right. month. And exactly. Half. Like, you got to go. Nope. I'm like, I tell people like, you can crash on my couch. Just get out, like crash on my couch. You're, you don't need to live anywhere for two months. It's fine. Like, I don't know. It, it's, it was very true. Very true. Wow. But I want to go back to like the beginning of this movie about the reason I hated this movie from the very beginning <laughs> which was him talking about his escapades was, first of all, mind-numbingly boring to so me. So obnoxious in the beginning. So obnoxious, so obnoxious. and so... A douche so A complete douche knock. I wrote in all caps, this man has a family. He has a family. Chiquita. Chiquita. Chiquita and the kids. But like how self-absorbed... She sounds one, like, very oh my, fun. Who is this woman? What are you doing leaving? I don't understand. But go ahead, please. Well, no, 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 no. What I just thought about was like, I think he he seemed a little unwell. Absolutely. Like a little <laughs> yeah. off. Yeah. You know, like a little like had done. I thought he had done too many drugs or uh, like yeah. something where I was like, this dude does not like he's oh, he's not. a He's just not like something feels off. Yeah. He relate in like there's no connection. Time. Yeah. Yeah. It's true. But he then goes into that, like, right. which I thought was great. So the movie turned a corner. So he's talking about all of his things, all mm-hmm. of his, I wrote, the beehive sounds like a nightmare. Like I wrote like all, and it reminded me of like being in school for theater and acting and doing all these ridiculous things yeah. that at the, in the time you feel like, oh, this is the most beautiful thing I've ever experienced and look mm-hmm. back. I'm like, oh, that was just like a little cult. That was weird. Uh, it didn't affect me in any good way up. And like, I just was completely self-absorbed in that moment. And like, it was so much about being self-absorbed, such as acting a lot of times, right? Sure. Um, so when it finally turned the corners went for me is when, first of all, then they got into it. They started talking about when he says, like, I'm done. I have nothing left. And I horrified at my past and why I did all this. I was like, oh, at least you have the capacity to look back on your 
leaving and going off and finding yourself as this ridiculously self-absorbed, selfish thing. Like, that's how I took it. And then they really got into, like, some active conversation that wasn't just completely reminiscing about something he had done, like storytelling. But, but also not really apologetic about the impact of those actions, which is, like, a thing that I think some crazy people have where, yeah. oh, I've seen the light and I'm going to move forward in this more positive life. But how are you healing the wounds you've created by some of these interactions in the past, which some people are just like, ah, well, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. That was the old me. Yeah. You hurt people. Right. Possibly. Right. Yeah. He left his family. Yeah. For him. Yeah. Like, forget about, forget, maybe he's right. Like, let's say everything he's saying is the way it is, and yeah. he's completely right. The fact is, he's still packed up and left his family for how long? Yeah, right. For himself. Just for his own self-discovery. And I think that's bullshit. For a theater <laughs> exercise, but his children are traumatized. Right. His wife, you know, could have found another mate, mm-hmm. but was like, Andre's coming back. Right. Maybe he's coming back. Yeah. And he goes, yeah. and I just suddenly realized I do want to spend the rest of my life. I'm like, yeah. oh, good for you. How noble, yeah. you piece of garbage. Yeah. Like, anyway, I don't know. But a lot of what he said did make sense. Absolutely. Yeah. I was, that's why it was a roller coaster for me, because I kept kind of being pulled in. First of all, the movie kept pulling me in. And then out. And then the, each character kept pulling me in and out. Mm-hmm. I was on this person's side. Then I was on this person's side. I felt that a lot. Mm-hmm. Like how they're, it felt like two poles of me and I think of people. Like yeah. there's the one, the, you know, Andre is like the adventurer, the like mm-hmm. risk taker, mm-hmm. the thrill seeker. Who believes life needs to, you need to ha- like find life. Yeah. You have to but search who, for it and experience it. Who yeah. also has some secret source of funding to fund that. Yeah. True. Yes. Freedom seeker. True. Yes. Well, they both, and and on the other side is like the I just want to be cozy, yeah, with exactly. my like with my book. Right? What's he reading the uh, um, Charlton Heston? Charlton Heston, <laughs> Charlton Charlton another well. book. <laughs> yeah, like, <laughs> but like they. But, the and, first time and, I shot a gun, <laughs> yeah. I know. I was like, Man, that, he's like, that's all I want to do is read. Put down the tablet and I took up a. What did he say? He, his wife, uh, Wallace Shawn's Debbie. wife, Debbie. Debbie. Yeah, mm-hmm. he's like, sometimes me and Debbie we go out and. So then we come home, you know, like that. But it was like both of those are privileged positions. You know, they both are. But like I feel both of those things. Mm -hmm. You know, I feel like I I wrestle often between those poles. Absolutely. Um, And and right now I feel like I'm leaning more towards Wallace. Like, oh, yeah. And and away from Andre a little bit. I, I very much I mean, very much related to Wallace Shawn. Yeah. To a point where when he was talking I was like, yeah, that's the way it is. When he <laughs> yeah. had when he had his retort at the end, he goes, you want to know what I think about all this? And then he had his long monologue. I was like, absolutely yes to everything you're saying. I'm right on board. You're like, get I, it, Wallace. Yeah, the I was like, I am, method he, when thing? he said, I couldn't, I couldn't imagine a happier person. I couldn't imagine being happier waking up. And what he was talking about was something that I feel, I talk about a lot, which is just the, the act of not necessarily being happy, but I think being content, mm-hmm. which is like, being happy with the place and level in which you're at rather than constantly needing to find more. Mm. And I says that he's content just like staying in at night with Debbie and not, I have my list of things, my errands, my notebook of errands. Totally. I I check things off. That's how I feel. I'm like, today's the day where I, and I, that's, and I'm just, you're coasting, which, which Andre Gregory's character would say is not how you should experience life. And it's robotic and you're in a trance and you're living in a dream world. And I, I I, I, str- I wrestle with that all the time. Of course. I wrestle with it being okay to be content. 
You know what I mean? Sure. Like you actively fight against that feeling or what is that? What do you mean? I, I wonder if I'm falling into a yeah. trance. Yeah. I wonder yeah. if, I wonder if I'm not experiencing life to the fullest, mm-hmm. but part of it is like getting older. Like when you're younger, you do adventurous things and then you get older and you don't. But Andre Gregory's character was way older than Wallace Shawn mm-hmm. in the movie. And he was just finally having this, what I took to be some freaking midlife crisis mm-hmm. situation. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. I, and then when I read the, the, the interview that you were talking about where he's like, I wanted to tear that down because it was in a place of fear. I was like, no, Wallace Shawn, no. Like, I hope that like, this is just, it did scare me a little bit that yeah. his position was right. potentially right. posited as the, the lesser position. Yeah. Because I think it kind of was. Because he didn't win. Yeah. Andrew Gregory came back in and he goes, yeah, no, I do agree with you. And I was like, ah. I mean, I think <laughs> the point is that neither will win. Neither true. can win. I think you're right. Neither do it's win. It's that both are true. For tr- That's Always. true. Like, right. And you just kind of float between them. And mm-hmm. after you've chilled a bit, you need the adventure. That's true. But I think the thing that Andre didn't have which is the thing that I think I want in my life is the awareness Mm -hmm. of both. Like he did not, he was not able to conceive of how absurd the shit he was saying was right. Like, and that I think is the key thing when you do weird stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Like I go to burning man, you Mm -hmm. know, I've gone for three. I want to talk about burning man so badly because, I yeah, thought, I thought about Burning Man too. Yeah. Have you guys gone? No, no. But this movie made me feel like this is what Burning Man is like. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So, so it kind of can be, and I have a very mixed, like, strange relationship with it because so I've gone for three years um, with the same camp. Like, it's like my best friends from college. And like, are you that, currently going, or you did this? Three no, years? I just decided like this morning I'm not gonna go this year. Okay, and and I like. I my friends were like, dude, you gotta come, and I, I just decided I sh- I can't, I should not, I can't, um, and so I'm not. But like that was a hard decision, mm-hmm. and being there, you know, I've had experiences very much like Andres of like, you know, and then we did that, and then that happened. But I feel like I always have a part of me that's like, this is absurd, this is stupid, like this is not a good way to live. Like, this is a privileged thing. Like, the, uh, there's that awareness, I think, that allows you to have that experience but not think that that's your life. Right. And I think that's what Andre doesn't have. Sure. He doesn't have right. that, that feeling of, like, I, that, of watching yourself through this stuff, yeah, which isn't always a good thing. Like, you know, that, like, as an actor, you don't want to be watching yourself. You want to, like, fully be in something. You know, like I don't I think that that quality of me is often like, you know, not beneficial. It's to my detriment. But but it is something where I'm having like if I'm ever having conversations with people where I'm like, God, what I'm saying is so douchey or what that person mm-hmm. said. I'm like always that person watching that movie. I think you it know? is healthy to have at least that one percent of you. Just yeah. Like yeah. One toenail out the door, because if you're 100 percent committed to a character, if you're performing Daniel Day-Lewis aside <laughs> like you may get locked in it forever that's how like some performers lose it and go crazy like, they, or they can't recover from an especially traumatic <laughs> character you need an out but to our point earlier about like making stuff like when you're in that process you kind of have to go all in yeah 100 percent. but that's real life like that's life like that's i feel like you that what? is part of your life 
your constant normal life of creation, whereas these other things like, let's say, Burning Man or any of these escapades that um, Andre Gregory went on, that is outside of life. They're like trips. They're trips, like you were saying. Exactly. Like taking mushrooms. Like it's a trip in the sense that once you return to life, then you have these giant contrasts of like mm. these crazy, amazing adventures and then the life, which seems, of course, boring if you have all that stuff you stack it up against. Whereas I feel like the, the, what Wallace Shawn, and I love the comparison they were doing with the cigar shop in Mount Everest, oh, because that was him saying both of those things are the same. Mm. Reality is uniform, which was a great line. That blew my mind. Isn't that great? Because like I have had times where I have been in the most beautiful spot in the entire world, mm-hmm. and I think to myself, I've been just as happy here as I have out to dinner with my wife or on what, taking a walk by myself. Mm-hmm. Just because this is in front of my face and I know I'm thinking it, I'm like, oh my God, this is beautiful. I should be having the most incredible moment right now but like the fact is reality is uniform so it is what it it, you know there's beauty in everything Mm -hmm. so yet we don't often feel it true exactly but you feel it less if you here's if you are going like would would you you've been to burning man three times yeah when you come back, do yeah. you feel a down? Oh yeah, there's. It's called post playa depression. Okay, <laughs> there's, there's a there is a term P-P-P. for it. A lot of that is because of the drugs too, like <laughs> sure. like coming down from the drugs. Sure. But like, and and I do, you know, I do take like like psychedelics. Sure. There, you know, and like that is uh, that's a whole another kind of massive trip thing of like I love that stuff. Does it enhance your life when you're not doing those things? Does going to Burning Man enhance your life when you're not at Burning Man? Yeah. You think so? I Yeah. Okay. I think it helps remind me of certain things and wakes me up to certain things. That you can carry with you. While Some, you're there or like... No, while when I'm back, sometimes, yeah. Okay. But sometimes, no. <laughs> you know? But I think like that also would be... It's not Burning Man specific. Right. I think like if I went... If I slept in a different part of, you know, the room, mm-hmm. that could also happen. I think, like, it's the change that is important. Sure. A change from the norm. Mm-hmm. Burning Man is, is the extreme. Right. And I think the lack of technology is really useful. Yeah. Because you disconnect. Right. And that is powerful. Yeah. To feel that. Uh, but I could do that without Burning Man. Mm-hmm. But I don't. Like, that's the thing. That's what I'm saying about the cigar shop. I don't. You don't feel like well, it's great. Like Wallace Shawn's talking about it. Like you, yeah. do you have to go out there to experience this like change? And Andre was like, yeah, you have to because like in, at home it's not gonna the stakes aren't as high for you to like accomplish that. And the closest I've come to that feeling is when I do Whole Thirty here in LA. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh yeah, I can't have this piece of cheese or whatever. Yeah. But otherwise, every other part of the year, I'm like, yeah, I'll just have that cheese. Like I'm not gonna. Mm-hmm. Monotony scares me totally. Like a lot. And that's the part of me that very much is is with Andre. Yeah, for sure. Did you so you would you related as a whole, like you related more to the character of Andre? No, 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 no. to Sean. You did a hundred percent. Yeah, I'm that guy. Okay, that much so you, more. But I I you, long to be interesting. Okay, and I think that's why I do things like Burning Man, or I do I like like I have trouble with with like. This the, like calmness at home. Mm-hmm. Like if it's if it's calm for like a day, a few days with Lauren, like I'll just like get like agitated. Sure. I'll be like I, like I try to like start a fight, mm. you know, just so that like something's going on. So you're feeling yeah. something. Yeah. Yeah. Anything. Yes. 
Because that's what being alive is, is feeling yes. things. Yeah. Do you think that Andre Gregory, because he said that he lived like 18 years of boredom and just monotony. Do you think he was always like this current incarnation of himself, seizing these experiences? Do you think he was always like that? Or is it something that he just realized and woke up to and just like needed to start doing? Because if he had question. always been that way, that's one thing. But if it's like a new revelation... What do you think? Well, I think it came later. Yeah. I, I think he found himself bored. I feel like he maybe didn't feel like he experienced everything he needed to experience as a younger man. And now is now, what better time than now kind of thing. Yeah. And, and it seems like it's, at, it's, it's when you get to the top and it's not... Right. fulfilling because he was a like, very successful theater successful, director successful right. has money mm-hmm. has a wife like he's done the things yeah. in the arts he's yes really and and unicorn. in the arts it's not like he was a businessman and right. like yeah. was like but now i want to make art it's like i don't know what to do yeah. and then he was and that's why i think his thrill seeking is at such an intense level you know, whereas like mine is like, I just want to like, you know, make movies and get paid for it. Right. But like, I'm sure if I got that, it wouldn't be fulfilling for too long because oh, that's for sure. the way that, you know, monotony works. Right. People who are successful are never necessarily yeah. happy. No, sure. never. Like, you know, monotony people. in that same life. If you're making a million dollars a day, bless you. But it's like at some point, what else is there? Mm-hmm. Right. If he's making, he wasn't making that. But if he's just like successful and every show he does is great and whatever and it's the same process then like i need something else new for my life it's that like intrinsic versus extrinsic or whatever like uh you know value sure do you get value because you like it or do you get value because like others like it or it creates this massive thing yeah but i think like the movie as a whole is largely incredible because it brings all this up like Definitely. it's the perfect movie. That's I. I told Lauren like, it was the perfect movie to have a conversation around. Mm-hmm. You know, like that's what it feels like. It is is mm-hmm. like a way to be like, oh yeah. And it's great in that it encapsulates two very yin and yang uh, way, ways of thought. But like I think we all possess absolutely, yeah, and 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 we don't know how to. Um, we don't know how to describe each one. Like we can't, like it puts a line in the sand very clearly so you, you can organize your thoughts, I feel like. Yeah. Whereas we all just jumble it all together. We don't know what the hell's going on. You know what I mean? So it breaks it down. I liked it. Yeah. I thought at the end when it was done, I was really glad I watched it. And it was perfect for the podcast because no one watches that movie. Mm-hmm. Like in a way that like you're never, you, you had a reason, David, but but it's totally is one of those movies where you're like, do I want to sit down now for an hour and 45 minutes and watch two people just talk? Do I, I want to do that? Where one of them also doesn't want to be there. Exactly. <laughs> like you started off being like, listen, I don't want to be at this dinner too. But watch us. Yeah. <laughs> you fucking great. Set. You have and some. There's yeah. a lot of comedy to that totally. of like just like the way that he was like, I, I kept trying to cancel this dinner and now I'm here. But then in the dinner, he's so like, you know, kind of the beta. Mm-hmm. You know, he's like, oh, yeah. Tell me more. When he, like, every, he just every time he said, tell me more, I wanted to punch him in the face. I, I was like, stop making him talk about his past. I do that. You do, I that? do that? It's like, yeah, uh, what is that? When, I, I, when I'm talking to someone who's <laughs> that is fascinating. crazy, I always get stuck at like parties with people that are like a little... Oh, yeah. Like, <laughs> uh, you, you, that, 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 you've seen this? N- no, oh. I know this about oh. you. Because I'm um, the exact opposite. I can't do it. 
I can't. I'll yeah. sooner walk away in the middle Separate. of their sentence. I'm like, I can't stop. Get away from me. So you just walk. You just I, I like, don't do that. I gotta go. I literally will go. I don't know, and I'll turn around <laughs> and walk away. Or like, yeah, tell me about it. I can't do it. I can't do it. When Jackie, my wife, sees me across the room in a convert, when I, she sees that blank stare that I have when people are talking at my face, mm-hmm. and I just like it, she laughs so much because she knows exactly what I'm experiencing, which is just a nightmare. It's it is my personal hell being in a conversation that I don't want to be in or having somebody talk at me. Oh, man. I have a funny story. <laughs> but you, no, oh, no. Well, okay, well, um, so I was... Uh, no, it wasn't after the improv show where I saw you, uh, but a couple weeks ago, I had a, we had an improv show with a couple other teams, and... Um, God, I hope she doesn't listen to this. But um, <laughs> the, the, basically, this girl on another team started talking. Patricia, talk- right? Huh? Patricia, yeah, right? that's the one. Yeah, yeah. Patricia. And she was talking. We were sitting at a bar after, and she was talking about, like, acting classes in L.A. And that is just, like, that to me is, like, yeah. paint drying. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like, exactly. I was just, Don't worry. Like, you're still not narrowing it down at yeah, all. Yeah, yeah, okay. <laughs> well, unless she hears it. But anyways, she. so I, I just, I don't know what was going on, but I just kind of, like, fade away and, like, just start thinking about my own life and then then she was like she was like uh she finished and then she was like are you mad at me and we don't know each other oh god she was like are you mad at me and i was like no what she's like you're mad at me you look mad Uh, i was like already i I was like no i'm not mad i'm i was just bored (laughs) you said that yeah what did she say she was like Oh, you were bored. You're my hero. <laughs> yeah, it was like the first, and then a third friend, a friend, he just starts like dying laughing. And I was like, I don't know what to tell you. It was just like, I was just bored. <laughs> and then she was like, oh, I, I thought you were mad. And then I knew that, I was like, what are you trying to like Meisner me here with this like, are, I'm mad shit? Are like, mad I wasn't me? mad. This isn't about you. Like, right. I was just like bored. Right. I'm sorry. I was bored, but like that was it. That was the only time in my life where I've had the like balls to just say that's great. What was on my mind, and it it went okay. Like she wasn't mad. The friend after was like, "You guys both handled yourselves well." I and 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 that was like, "Oh my god!" Like there is a way out. There is a way out by being honest with somebody. Yes. I want you to tell me about your thing, David. Yeah, but yeah. I have to tell no, you no, this. I have no, it's, this I'm just in awe. That this, <laughs> I do this. This I I this happened to me once like years ago. And I'll never forget it. And I always think about it. And it was exactly kind of a similar thing. I was in line waiting for like rush tickets for a Broadway show. So I was like in line for like two hours. This woman in front of me was doing the thing. I swear to God, never in a million years will I remember what she was talking to me about. But she was just talking to the point where it was like, are you crazy? Do you know you've been talking for an hour with no response from me? So finally, I somehow get out of it. I like go to my phone. I do something and she stops talking. She turns around and she starts putting it on the person behind her. In the middle of the sentence, 10 seconds seconds in this other person goes I have no opinion on that and she goes oh and then she talks a little bit more and the person interrupts her again I don't have an opinion about that and then that was it killed it I was like what I'm, I was wow. like who are you what amazing re- like I, I couldn't yeah. believe I was like this person is my absolute hero that right. I think it was workshops too yeah yeah, like yeah. Group she, like, this, this sounds like it's gonna be my new friend because it's not as rude as saying I'm bored, I'm bored. <laughs> <laughs> but it's just shutting it down I have no yeah and shutting it down in a non-mean way exactly. where, where you don't feel they don't feel bad yeah I'm surprised that works because usually the people that keep talking at your face aren't looking for your opinions. That's true. Right. That's so true. So it's like, great, you don't have an opinion? Great, I don't need they, like Andre yeah. didn't need Wallace Shawn's opinion because no. he was just going to give his stories. And yeah. Like, 
theorize on his philosophies. And it's like, whether or not you agree or not, it didn't matter to him. I have to know why you are the person who gets caught. Yeah, I want to know more Do about Do you that enjoy too. it? I hate it. I don't but you continue to beckon them on. Yes, because... <laughs> you feel I, bad for feel them? Bad. Yeah, that's like Lauren. Oh, you feel bad feel that bad. what? No one's talking to them or what? That, that they're putting is, something into the world and... And they need this. Oh, mm, God. Like they may have no one else to talk to in their life and it's like, oh, I don't, you know, I'm a good conversationalist. I'll just be a, a, a sounding board for them. Oh, my God. And if I'm not that for them, they may not have anyone else. And that <sighs> makes me very mm, sad. Fuck, dude. I can't... What now a... I, what, what a I just like... Well, yeah, you already said that you're bored. Just what an angelic <laughs> heart you have. I, 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 dis, I resent them for putting me in that position and I hate so them. So do I. And, that's <laughs> a, a, and a I hate you for being better than me. <laughs> It's a terrible form of martyrdom, though, because then afterwards I'm like, fuck that. Fuck. Yeah, you. Fuck. My, my life is ruined. <laughs> the party's ruined. I didn't get to talk to anyone I wanted to talk to. Oh, gosh. Yeah. That, I mean, but, oh, wow. But, like, I understand. Even you don't take outs. Sean, you just keep pecking. I don't. For some reason, I, like, I always ask the, the perfect question at the right time when I think I'm ending it, but it's like, oh, that's interesting that you make me, that you say that. Like, I actually have another story that I'm going to talk at your face about. Yeah, or I'm going right. to explain the plot of this movie you've never heard of. Yeah. Or whatever. It, it felt like Wallace Shawn was doing that in this movie also, where he was just like, oh, that's, yeah. Tell me more. Yeah, I want to hear more. What and, else and, happened? And Andre even gives him an out. He's like, you don't want to hear about this. No, I, yeah. He's like, you don't want me to keep, and he's like, no, no, I do. In that moment, <laughs> I would have been like, no, absolutely. You were talking about this, and I would repeat like a couple of the points that they just brought Just to up. prove that you were listening. Exactly. I couldn't do that. because I'm bored. I definitely don't know. I couldn't listen. I don't listen. I, I there have been times where I've talked to somebody for an hour and I can't tell you anything they told me, mm-hmm. and it's hor- It's a bad trait. I am. By the way, everything I'm saying about how I handle those situations, I think, is wrong, and I should change the, my ways. Not necessarily. Mm, it's a, it's, it's a, rude. It's, you sh- it's a you, balance of both. It's, it's better to say I'm bored. It's just, better to do that. Honest. It's better to be honest than fake anything in any situation. This is what this movie is. It's just mm-hmm. like I know. Live the experience and like be alive and not be robotic versus just be robotic and nod and be like, yeah, sure, let's go along with the process. Right. Yeah. But it's always uh, honesty is like if you go too far with honesty, it's kind of cruel. Totally. Like they could have like if if Sean had like gone too far with it, he could have been an asshole to to like this guy. Yeah. So it's a fine line. Yeah. Because you also have to exist in the world with these other people. We're all doing this together. <laughs> yeah, for real. Also, like, he finally was having the dinner with him, and maybe he felt like, this guy is going to be back in my life, so I have to be cool. But it seemed like before the dinner, he was never going to see him again. Like He never wanted to see him again. But some guy said that he was unwell, so he felt bad that he was going like, to mm, have to go with him. Right, he was, he was bawling. Hysterical after some play in an alley, right? Yeah, that he, right. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. Oh, he's pitying him he's almost. Pitying him a little bit. But yeah. then I think once, like halfway through the movie, he's just like, you know, fuck this guy. He's fine. He's just pretentious. So yeah, exa- gonna, like, exactly. I'm gonna engage. Now I'm gonna engage. Yeah. yeah. And it's funny because Andre Gregory did have this scene where he was talking about exactly what we were just talking about, how he had the friend come over and the friend was just pontificating and and, Norwegian theater director. Yeah, Mm -hmm. just going off and finally, but he didn't do what you did and said, I'm bored. He like found a way out, said, I have to go to sleep and then cried. He eventually asked him to leave. <laughs> cried because he lost a friend. He lost a friend, which I thought was a beautiful. <laughs> it was, but it was beautiful because that that's very sad. If I you have felt that, you before. think you've had a friend and then you're you, you're done with that person for whatever reason. Yeah. That's sad because you lost. Sad. You have lost somebody, yeah. even even if it's by your own choice. 
Like he or chose, he didn't like him anymore. He didn't like the guy didn't betray him. He goes, oh, I don't like this person yeah, anymore. We don't vibe. <laughs> but the interesting yeah. thing about this like conversation thing is like, isn't that also like the cigar shop? Like, can't if like you just decide to love it? Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? I think like so. the monotony of the of a conversation is like the monotony of life. And like, I could have, I don't know. Yeah. Been a better person and like enjoyed the nuanced beauty of this person, like clearly engaged about acting. Yeah. But I was the asshole. And uh, like I, I find myself in that situation a lot with like Uber drivers. You do you t- are you the kind of person you talk to your Uber driver? All the way. Do you? From opening it door depends. Uh-huh. Some t- it depends on my mood. I rarely do. Rarely do I talk to them. And it's I f- I wish I, w- I wish I did because Whenever I do, typically it's interesting mm-hmm. because this is a perfect scenario to talk to a complete stranger who is very different than you and learn some stuff and connect and gain some perspective. And I don't do it nearly enough. And I wish I did, but I'm too, I just, I find myself, it's, it's a hurdle for me to care enough to talk to these people. And it's, it's a fault big time. Mm. But you do. It's going to be such a limited interaction though, like a short interaction. I understand why you wouldn't want to invest or have that vulnerability of just like connecting with someone because it's just going to be a, a finite you'll never run into this person again for some reason a part of my brain thinks i might mm-hmm. and so it's like i'm this is my first interaction with this person and so mm. hey we're all on this road yeah it's funny I'm, you said I'm, that I'm, I'm, I'm just goddamn perfect <laughs> you know, like, oh, that's what i was gonna say wow i didn't it took this long to figure it out yeah, you're nice done guys. you hit it <laughs> no it's funny you said that because about like running into people ever again because that made me think of before sunrise yeah. oh yeah, yeah which made me think of slacker and mm. slacker is a movie i thought a lot about while watching this movie interesting, interesting. because slacker is this this yeah. just like people talking kind of at each other like it feels like slacker was inspired a lot um, mm-hmm. By that, movie. yeah, I've I've never seen that, but I saw the before movies, and I love all the before mm-hmm. movies. But you I've never see seen. Slacker. I should see Slacker. Yeah, you guys should get somebody on for that. Slacker okay. is so weird and crazy. Yeah, good. it's just like a lot of scenes like this dinner, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but they're all just like kind of people rambling. Yeah, about nothing. Right, nothing. <laughs> Do you feel like had you seen? This is something that we like to ask. Yeah, yeah. Do you feel like had you seen this a long time ago, it might have influenced you as a creator, as a filmmaker, as a writer? Or do you feel like from here on out, it might influence you in a certain way? Yeah, yes to both. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think I would have had to see it in the right context with the right, like, support. Yeah, <laughs> you yeah, know? yeah, yeah. Like, like, I don't think I could have watched it just alone and, like, gotten it. But I think had somebody kind of explained to me and, like, made me watch all of it, I think it would have answered a massive question for me that I always have of like, can you do that? Mm -hmm. Totally. Like that movie never does that thing of like plot or twist or like in that moment. Yeah. And it's and that to me is like amazing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That it did that. It never kind of betrayed the truth of that moment for the sake of like commercial entertainment yeah it was never like and then something happened nothing yeah. happens it, it, nothing it's the, it's it's the seinfeld only they talk about something instead of nothing yes. <laughs> but seinfeld weirdly actually like so much happens it's you know true. and yeah, I, yeah. I, I i thought about that recently i was like yeah seinfeld's about nothing no that that's like such a plotty show yeah, yeah and this is like nothing yeah and i wish i had more of that 
freedom in my own thinking. Because often when I create and like make stuff, I'm like, yeah, but like, yeah, but we need yeah. something, or we're gonna lose them. Yeah, we're gonna lose the audience. Totally, we're gonna lose them, and they they did lose me at some points. But I was like, I'm watching this. Yeah, <laughs> and it's like it's fun. It's fun. I am watching it. So and and he taught, he <laughs> talks about that like in the in one of these interviews, he talks about how he's really glad that the director, what's that guy's name? Louis Mel. Yeah, that that he was like a that director is a warmer person who made the movie a little warmer than. Gregory Sean, like than how he feels, he's like I'm colder and darker than than he made that movie. The mm -hmm. space was beautiful, like the 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 sound. Like I was watching it with a closed caption, um, again just to keep my focus, and <laughs> it it said like man coughs mm -hmm. or like light light banter in the background, and like I I would then like notice that happening, and I was like this is a very intimate restaurant, and when like right at the end when the last shot, I was like, it seems that everyone had left hours ago. Mm. It's like, wow, they made such like a warm, inviting restaurant. Dude, that, that, when he said that, it made me think that they were both dead. Oh, like <laughs> that, like, like this was a go. heaven thing. Yeah. Like, are they even alive, these two guys? <laughs> like, that's like the place that it, it feels like this sort of eerie other world. Mm hmm you yeah. know, like the way that they're talking and stuff. But listening to the director more, he he talked about how like he rehearsed more for that movie than any other movie I'm he's sure. ever made. Yeah, that makes sense. Like, even the, though there's no like choreography, but the way that they the camera movement yeah. was like the zooms that was all down to like the millimeter. He said of when you zoom and all that was like crazy planned, which I did not think. Right, there was some really nice. Yeah. Like cutting into like Andre Gregory when it was getting more personal about a certain mm -hmm. thing with Jersey Grotowski. Or yeah, a, yeah. A, a connection that he felt. It was, I loved it. It was so nice. Mm -hmm. um, Lauren gave it a two out of 10. She told me I, I should bring that up. Pretty good. Why? She just, she, she, 30 minutes in, she was like, wait, are they not gonna, <laughs> is it, it's just gonna be them eating? Yeah. And I was like, yeah. They also didn't eat. I don't know if you noticed that. Like, I mean, Andre maybe Gary a little had bit. One bite. Is that what it was? Andre the plate was removed and it was almost full. It was. Well, Wallace Shawn was eating a lot of he rice, did. but it was just like touching <laughs> his lips and falling out of his mouth. Yeah, Wallace Shawn's mouth he, he really was very strange. Can well, we each try to do his voice. Should we do a little Wallace Shawn uh, impersonation? Sure. I don't think I'll do a good job. The cliffs of insanity. There we go. Pretty good. All right. <laughs> well, you, you know, it's um, because there's like a lisp. Yeah, he does. There's a. Uh, there's a, I just, I think that's uh, impossible. <laughs> he does have a list. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, yeah. That's good. That's yeah. really good. Just the very crying. fact that you would make me say that is impossible. <laughs> you, Debbie. Because uh, reality, as we know, is yeah. uniform. <laughs> that's pretty good. Do it one more time. A little bit more crazy and nasally. Because the reality is uniform. That's pretty good. That's not bad. Yeah. <laughs> I wrote teddy bear suck at his breast. Oh, took suck at my breast, and then they threw it around and took suck at his breast. I was like, what? We're just gonna move past that? What? He took a teddy bear and made like suck at my breast, which That's... is nursing. Yeah. And but it's unless but it's you're a, a wealthy person, but then, like you just you say, say that and not even explain it. That just they to both, me, I was like, oh, this is all garbage. They both knew the term though. Made, yeah, exactly. It was like it's Shakespearean. They, yeah. yeah. 
<laughs> Were there any uh, side characters in the film that you would love to see a, a spin-off? Obviously. The waiter. Obviously yeah. the waiter. Yeah. yeah. The waiter. I'm the poor waiter who was 83 years old, <laughs> yeah. trying desperately to survive as a human person, and then listening to this dribble, for, and then saying at one point, are you guys all right? Because <laughs> yeah. they go, the guy, there was the, it was the moment where Andrew Gregor like, made up a laugh, like did the fake laugh thing, and like Wallace Shawn actually looked up first at the waiter to be like, oh, because that was kind of loud. And the waiter looked at him and was like, this is a place of fine dining. We don't do this. Yeah. And walked over and said, is everything all right? And then they looked at him with contempt, like, yeah, everything's fine. Get Dude, the fuck out of here. The waiter is the hero yeah, of that movie. It is. Like, literally, he is who he was, we relate he to. He was smoking a cigarette at the end. Oh, like, get Incredible. the, yeah. Like, if you really think, that's kind of a mind-blowing thing. If, like, it's the waiter's movie, but we watch them too because it's, like, a comment on, like, you know, sort of like privilege and react. Like yeah. these two are yapping while this dude is just like working, working, just and, working. And he's like, <laughs> he's the guy. Like he's yeah. like, God, I fucking hate these people. You know, like that's what he's thinking. And Andre Gregory is somewhat of a regular there, right? So like, yes, yes. The waiter has like experienced this before with other people because you know that Andre Gregory isn't just having this conversation because he feels a connection with Wallace Shawn. He has this conversation with everybody. Yeah. So the waiter has heard the Jersey Grotowski Polish wood beehive story a hundred times. Right. Oh, he's, he's like, telling oh this stupid beehive God. story again. Yeah. yeah, exactly. I also really love the bartender because when Wallace Shawn ordered a club soda in the beginning, yeah. he's like, I'm sorry, sir, we only have like, this. like a very French yeah. brand of club of like sparkling water, but he had like a perfect accent. And um, you would not expect this like Bronx fireman looking dude. Yeah. To just like be right there. Yeah. It's like, man, this guy, this guy's pro. Was there any other people with lines in the movie? I think it was the maitre d', right? The guy yeah. at the front. I also the... would say that Debbie would be an interesting character. Oh. I'd love to see more I'd Debbie. love to see both of those women who are married to both those the men. wives. Yeah. That would be an Chiquita amazing and, sequel. Chiquita and Debbie have dinner and they just... My dinner with Chiquita. My dinner with Chiquita. My dinner with Chiquita and it's just at oh. one of their houses... It's at one of their houses... And, and it's like so normal. Yeah. <laughs> like That's what I'm saying. Like, they just talk... Like normal people talk. Yeah. So your husband yeah. left. For so we years? both hate our husbands. Yeah. 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 Cool. Cool. Yeah, yeah. This guy can't get a job. He checks his answering service. Doesn't get work. <laughs> I don't know. And then he pontificates, and he's out to dinner with some lunatic. Oh, my husband. Oh, my husband. Yes, he is a lunatic. He hasn't been home in years. Yeah. Tell him I say hi, and his kids miss him. God. That thing, the the quote about New York, mm-hmm. uh, about like we are the we're the guards and yeah. the prisoners. I love that because it, it made me think a lot of this book that I'm reading uh, called Amusing Ourselves to Death. Y'all know that book? No. It's by Neil Postman. Mm-mm. It's basically about how like television... It's Neil Postal Worker. But anyway. I gotta go. <laughs> I'll see you guys tomorrow. Uh, <laughs> tomorrow? Yeah. We're doing this daily? Yeah, right? <laughs> right? With dinner tomorrow night, actually. Yeah, absolutely. No, basically it's like... It's like... It's, it's, it's about how like we are overfull with stuff that is like content that we're like laughing at and it's killing us. And that's what I thought about with this whole like it like this surveillance state thing. Mm. And there's this other podcast I listen to about philosophy and they talk about this thing called the Panopticon, which this is this kind of prison where like there are guards in the middle and then there are prisoners on the outside, but you never know when the guards are looking at you. So you think they're always looking and that's what like social media is basically. Yeah. Cause you don't ever know that you like everyone always needs to think that someone else might be watching when Mm -hmm. you post stuff. 
And so like we've all become the guards and the prisoners wow. of this thing and like that's society now. And and that shit blows my mind. The, 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 that speech that he has about we're all bored, we're all walking around like robots. You could have sworn that that was written now with iPhones and social media. It was it was unbelievable that in 1981 people felt that way, and how much mm-hmm. worse has it gotten since then? Mm-hmm. And I how mean, theater is dead, and yeah, how we're oh, just like rehashing bullshit now. And it's like, yeah. look at what we're putting on television. Look at what we're putting on stage now. Like musical versions of movies from the 80s. TV shows that were in the 70s that we're redoing, but like with new cast, it's like it's all garbage. Mm-hmm. The the intro to this Neil to this book basically he says it's written in 1985, and he says um, there were two like dystopian visions of the future: Orwell's 1984, which is like Big Brother, somebody's going to be watching everything we do. You're going to have to burn the books because like we don't want anybody knowing what what they should be reading or whatever. Right. And then. Uh, Brave New World, which was Aldous Huxley's thing, which was like, you won't need to burn anything because you will, everybody will be like gluttonous with so much stuff that we will be dying because there's too much of it. And it's basically just that like, we won't need to burn any books because there will be too many Mm. and no one will know what, everything will be irrelevant. And like, that's the way that things have basically gone. I think there's too much information. There's yeah. too much, and everything is like trivial. That's the thing that he says in the book that it's television has made everything trivial. Mm. It's a really, really crazy book, and written in 1985, like before any of the crazy social media shit. Man, good stuff. Everybody. Sad. I'm sad um, now. I guess now's a good time to bring in our resident film expert. Oh my gosh, I'm that? excited for this. Yeah, yeah. you've I, heard, I've a heard a lot about. A lot. Yeah, yeah. just, just <clears throat> so yeah. insightful incisive yeah yeah all the all the ends yeah we're so blessed to have her be a part of our our family here what's she up to now um she's currently in uh the maldives oh the maldives the maldives and she's uh i didn't know sundance right she was at sundance Mm -hmm. she was giving the uh sundance award the sundance award yeah for uh, the sundance award for sundance closing night (laughs) film yeah she she bestowed upon sundance the sundance award for best film festival in park city utah named sundance oh my god yeah Yeah, robert redford himself said this festival was named after leah not my character but leah who went as a child of course famously went by sundance that's incredible wow she's two-time oscar winner Mm -hmm. uh President of the Hollywood Forum. I, I heard she won two for the same movie. Yeah. She did. In the yeah. same, both directing. They gave her two. Same year. Not only did she win two Oscars, but she's also won eight Oscars. I heard about that. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. incredible. So she's a two-time Oscar winner and an eight-time Oscar winner. She's the only winner. one to do that. Correct. Exactly. Yeah, she Billy Crystal did two and seven. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Whenever they show her name in front of credits now, it just says... Two-time Oscar winner Leah Rudick, and then eight-time Oscar winner as two separate credits. She invented the lav mic, mm-hmm. uh, mm-hmm. which I think if you're in the film world, you know what that is. And you're, she also wanted it to be a little bit easier to attach to people's clothing, but yeah. men got in the way and made it really small and hard to attach. Yeah, just uh, such a, a legend of the film world. So uh, I think she has a, a really expert take on this film. I know she's uh, done a couple thesis talks on it. So we're happy to have you, Leah. Let's hear what you have to say. Hi there. So happy to be back on You Had Your Chance. I am Leah Rudick, your in-house film expert. So excited to be here for this episode because we're talking about a great, great film, My Dinner with Andre. I have seen this film so many times, I practically know it by heart. 
As you all know, my dinner with Andre takes place over the course of one dinner at a lovely Italian restaurant in New York City. It is a dinner between Andre Agassi, tennis legend, and fantastic character actor Dana Carvey. Now, this is not the most conventional film. It's one of the first ones of its kind because it's literally one dinner uh, shot from several different angles. Fun fact about this film, a little behind the scenes trivia, when Andre and Dana finally got their check at the end of the night, the total was $750. Turns out Andre Agassi could not stop ordering shrimp cocktail. And you know, I love shrimp cocktail, but $750 worth of shrimp cocktail? (laughs) I don't know about that. Film was directed by the great Catherine Bigelow. And in case you're wondering what was the impetus for this film, My Dinner with Andre, it is it is very unconventional in nature. Well, I'll tell you, Dana Carvey actually initially set the dinner up not as a movie, but just a regular dinner so that he could do research for his upcoming biopic about Andre Agassi's life. Dana was obviously going to be playing Andre, but then one night over drinks with Catherine Bigelow, who was a very good friend of Dana's, it was decided that the dinner should be a film in and of itself. And the film did very well on the festival circuit. It became an instant indie classic, drawing both film and tennis fans, as well as fans of shrimp cocktail. (laughs) No, I'm just kidding about that. Um... The film is very improvisational in nature. Uh, There's great moments from both Dana and Andre. There's a very funny moment where Dana does an impersonation of Andre winning the U.S. Open and he's just running around the whole restaurant and one of the waiters tries to shush him. He doesn't realize that it's Dana Carvey. It's very, very funny and it's all captured on film. It truly is a very spontaneous, in-the-moment film um, made for very little money other than the cost of the bill of course, which, you know, Hollywood picked up. I especially love this film because I love tennis. I have been watching the World Cup since I was seven years old, and it's just great to see Andre Agassi in his element. He's he's such a cool guy. He has that great Italian accent, and it's just fun to watch the banter between Andre and Dana. It's It really is very, very special. It's a shame that that biopic never got made. Apparently, they weren't able to secure the funding. Until next time on You Had Your Chance, sayonara. Well, I mean, I'm blown away. Wow. You can see why she has those two Oscars and those eight. Absolutely. I'm surprised she doesn't have another 12. Right. Her criticism is just so on point. I just mm-hmm. didn't, I hadn't thought about any of that. Yeah, we each have like notebooks here, and like we didn't cover any of that. Any of it. I almost, should we re-record? We might have to re-record. I was just bawling, crying the whole time as she spoke. Because it made me understand myself through the movie that I, like, Mm -hmm. finally, for the first time. Yeah. Like, we were having trouble articulating the dichotomy that we all feel within the yin and yang. Mm -hmm, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But she expressed it in a perfect soundbite. Perfect soundbite. I'm literally going to go in the other bedroom and kill myself. Yeah. (laughs) Because of how good that was. We have a couple more episodes to record. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, can you put it off? I'll put it off for a couple more. <laughs> Push it. I will reschedule. <laughs> Thank you, Leah. God bless. God bless. Good luck in the Maldives, instituting the sound policy for lobs, bigger lobs in the Maldives. Um, anything else you guys want to talk about? I think we did it. I really appreciate 
you guys inviting me. Absolutely. Thank thanks. you so much for coming. And thanks for, and thanks for yeah, thanks for picking this movie. What a good movie to do. I had a good time. I I feel like this was the perfect movie to talk about. Yeah. <laughs> yes, it was. Like what better way to learn about this movie than talk about it? Yeah. I agree. And also like you were saying the license to just make anything and anything can work after having gone through the process of making something that was so near and dear to you. Mhm. Anything as simple as just a long dinner conversation could be a f- movie that makes $5 million at the box office. There could be a movie about a podcast interview. Absolutely. Yeah. My podcast interview with, with David and Nick. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think you're right. Yeah. I've had cameras rolling this whole time. We should meet for months and record all of our conversations. <laughs> oh, God. And then, and then we'll parse through them. So you're going to have to put off uh, that suicide a little bit longer. All <laughs> right. All right, and it's you not, have to. F- we're gonna have to find ways for you to um, get out of bad conversations. Yeah, don't want to get out of this one though. Hope this one goes on forever. We should end. Yeah, I am uh, bored. as the resident person to <laughs> end, end am, conversations. Uh, I'm a bored person, yeah, so tell me more about it. All right, <laughs> thank you guys. Thank you so much. We'll see you guys soon. Bye. Bye. Because the reality is uniform. I don't have an opinion about that.